those, it's a powerful verse, amen. Those who put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but stands fast forever. And as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. Those who put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory be to God, glory be to God. <laughs> you guys. Lord, I pray for these two guys, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for their faithful work that they've been doing in Wales, Lord Jesus. And, uh, and all that they've been doing, Lord Jesus, and just digging away in those old wells, Lord Jesus. And, and uh, Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're going to do wonderful things through this couple, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that there are lights set on a hill. And I want you to listen to this. You guys are a light set on a hill. And in the times that we're now coming into, you guys are going to be a beacon of hope for many. You're going to have uh, church leaders. It'll be slowly, it'll be small to start with, but church leaders will come to you guys to get counsel because you guys will be hearing things from the Spirit. You, you've learned things. You know things in, in God. You know things in the prophetic. And you'll, you'll have a real voice for this time. But unfortunately, you've been out of time as well. But now you're in time. You're about to come into time. And so therefore, you're going to be relevant for the times which we're coming into. And the message that you carry will be so relevant. You can't understand just how, how in one day you will be completely out of sync and then one day will be completely in sync. And God wants to encourage you guys that you are going to be completely in sync and that you didn't make a mistake when you went to Wales, <laughs> that you really did make the right decision, even though it looks like it's been fruitless sometimes. But you guys are going to be really used by him in these days. And, and all the things that you felt and God put on your heart that's going to happen will happen. And, uh, and you guys will, you'll literally have people just turning up to your house and, and they'll want to come to meet with you guys, to chat with you, for you to pray with them, but they'll also want you guys um, to minister through music and psalmistry and, uh, and, and just walk into that, pl that presence of God as well, which you guys have trained yourselves to do. So God wants to encourage you guys and just to keep on because you are so close now. You are absolutely so close. You're like weeks away from the switch switching over and you guys being from seemingly out of sync to being completely in sync. And God wants to encourage you guys with that. Amen. Amen. So then we'll see how far we're going to get today. <laughs> so those who put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Those who put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. Now, I love this word trust because it's not, it's not faith. It's not like, you know, in the faith kind of movement, you've got to have faith in God. This is something way more deeper than that because you can't trust somebody you don't know, can you? You don't trust someone you don't. Well, you might do. You might, well, you know, I'm really not sure about you, but, you know, that's what most people think about me. I'm really not sure about you. But you, you, you trust people. You, and so, but the more that you, you know somebody, the more you trust them. So I completely trust my wife. Do you completely trust me? Yeah, see? 50-50, so. <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Okay, so, and, and so those that put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. 
And we can, we can know a lot about God. We can know a lot of good theology and all these things are important. We can know our Bibles really well. I know some people that, man, they know their Bibles really well, but they don't necessarily know God. And, there's, and, and so one of these things in this season that we're coming into now it's we have to be a people that really do know our God. Now, I know you probably think, Chris, you keep saying this. You've been saying this for years. Why do you think I keep saying it? Because it's the most important thing. John 17, three eternal life is knowing God. And therefore, this is what God wants to bring us into. Eternal life doesn't happen just at the resurrection of the dead or if Jesus comes first. Well, they're both at the same time, actually. This is, this is one thing. But actually, eternal life starts with us knowing God. God. Because unless you know him, you can't trust him. Now we can trust him to a certain point. We all have our comfort zones. Yeah, I'll trust him that far. I'll trust him that far. But whoa, I'm not sure about that, right? And so God wants us to be a people, especially in the times that we're coming into, where we have to really assess where is our faith? Where is our trust? Where is our hope? Where is our security? Where does it truly lie? Now give me an, an example. If, if, the, if the banks, I'm not saying this will happen, I'm just saying, give it a scenario. If, if suddenly tomorrow you lost your job or, or the money or your income stopped coming in, what would be our response to that? Because God wants to encourage us today that he wants us to be a people that put their trust in him. But that trust comes through knowing him. Because if you put your trust in the Lord, you are like Mount Zion. Now, what's so significant about Mount Zion? That's a good question. What's so great about Mount Zion? Well, Mount Zion, we know from Hebrews 12, 22, there's a Mount Zion in heaven. And God is enthroned on Mount Zion in heaven. How do you know that? Because it says so in Hebrews 12, 22. We also know that, that God the Father is seated on the throne on Mount Zion in a city called Jerusalem, aka New Jerusalem, also over the land, over the, uh, the promised land, and he, his rule extends over the nations. Well, there's coming a day when Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back to Mount Zion, and there he will rule and reign over Mount Zion, over Jerusalem, over the promised land, over the nations. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. So that's the future. But back in the times past, when this psalm was written, um, you had the tabernacle of David. Now, the tabernacle of David, for those who don't know, was basically the Ark of the Covenant was placed on Mount Zion with a tent around it, uh, which was open for people to see, which this had never been done before because the Ark of the Covenant, the only time you'd see it is if it was carried aloft out to war or well, that's the only time you'd ever see it, because actually it should be in the Mosaic Tabernacle, which was just down the road, which was being hosted by um, Zadok the priest. So this thing was still running. So how on earth it got out of there and didn't go back in there, I don't know. But and how did David even manage to get away with putting it on a tent, which is completely non-biblical at the time, putting it in on a tent so everyone could worship before him? Such a thing had never been done. Now, the, the Ark of the Covenant is the manifest presence of God as far as the, the Jewish people were concerned. So I want you to look at this again. Those that put their trust in the Lord, i.e. are intimately acquainted with him through intimacy, are like Mount Zion in that they bear aloft the very presence of God. That is what God wants us to be. Because we are the church. 
We are the church. The, the old ancient understanding of the church is that we are, good theological here, the mystical body of Christ. In other words, we corporately are Christ on the earth. That's how it's always been understood. This isn't something Paul came up with as a really cool metaphor. This really is what we are. The church is Christ on the earth. Now, I'm not saying you are Jesus, but corporately together, we manifest Christ on the earth in a way that nothing and nobody else can. It's all down to us. It's down to you guys. It's down to me. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. Amen. I've got some prophetic words cooking here. I can feel them bubbling away. They'll be coming out soon. (laughs) Those that put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which can never be shaken, but stands fast forever. You see, putting your trust in God is not so easy as we would like to admit. That it, we don't say, oh, yeah, I can trust God. But, but actually, it's really difficult to trust God if we're really honest with ourselves. Because we'll trust God so far, but there'll be a point where we don't trust him. And this is the secret, I think, which, which we all could learn to do daily. This is one Jesus says, you've got to carry your cross daily. And it's in carrying the cross, which is the path to kingdom wisdom. What does that mean? You see, Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's where I believe he encountered the probably the most difficult decision of his life, where he knew that he was born for one purpose, because God so loved the world that he gave his world his only son. So Jesus knew why he was born, and Jesus was completely in agreement and complicit with that. But then it came to the time where he was going to go through agonizing torture. Now, not just physical torture, but spiritual torture. Then go to hell for three days, because it says that in Hebrews chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 4. All right. So he knew all that was coming. And he was going to be separated from God in a way that had never happened in all of eternity. And, and it come to the point where he said, it, Lord, you know, please, if this, if this cup can pass from me, then let it pass. But then he said, but not my will be done, but yours. You see, trust and trust issues, or trust issues rather, are problematic when you have fear. Okay, if we have fear in our life, we have trust issues, don't we? And one of the things that I think the Holy Spirit would really like us to deal with in our lives, and this is something that God wants to do for us, is that it's, that it's time for us to come into his presence and actually be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, I've got fear in my life. I've got real fear. For me personally, I, I've had a lot of fears in my life and God's dealt with a lot of those, but I'm still working through those things. But God is setting me free because you see, perfect love casts out all fear. And the less fear you have in your life, the more that you will trust him. But how do you trust him and how do you get fear out of your life? Simply, it's about every day laying down your life for him. Lay down. Now, this is not to say that God won't, doesn't want you to do this, but this is the point you have to get to. It, it has to be a place inside of us where we say, Lord, I lay down all my dreams. I lay down all my aspirations. I lay down every single thing, oh God. Everything I give to you and I yield to you, Lord, because I want more than anything to be like you, Jesus. Because when people looked at Jesus, he was so submitted to the will of his father. Jesus could actually say, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. 
And the heartbeat of the church in the days that we're coming into will be that when you see the church and Christians, you do see Christ. Because we'll have a church that's yielded to the will of God rather than to our own will. The other week I was preaching about radical consecration to God. And God wants a people that are radically consecrated to him. You see, the, the, the Bible talks about that once we were slaves of unrighteousness and slaves of sin, but now we're slaves of righteousness. Yet these very shackles that bind us are the very things that enable us to go from one degree of freedom to another. If we shackle ourselves to the will of God, if we give up everything that we have and all that we are, as Jesus says... If you give up all that you are, you will inherit everything. But if you try to hang on to your life and hang on to everything, you will lose everything. It's kingdom philosophy, it's kingdom wisdom, that the secret to being everything you ever desired in God is actually letting go. I saw his picture this morning, I shared a similar word this morning, and you know, you've got the guy who's hanging on the edge of a rope, just hanging on for dear life, using all of that energy, all of that, everything that he's got, because he knows if he lets go, it's a long way to the bottom. And he knows that if he lets go, he's going to die. And you're hanging on and you're hanging on and you're hanging on. And the voice of the Spirit is saying, let go. Let go. Because in death is life. In letting go is the way that God can catch you and raise you up. You see, if you want resurrection life, you have to die. And the more that we die, the more of Christ lives in us. And the more that Christ lives in us, the more we come to life. So it stands to reason that if we want more of Christ in us, and how many of us want Christ in us? How many of us want this bit where we are like Mount Zion, where we have the manifest presence of God in us and living in us and dwelling in us and through us and we're communing with God and we're hearing him clearly and he's working through his church and through his people, through signs and wonders and through power and through love. How many people want this? Because this is where we're going. This is what God wants with his church in these days. It's not business as usual. Those things are done now. So where is she? Hannah. <coughs> Who? Me? <laughs> I just felt um, God was saying a little earlier on. He's saying at the moment, I'm sorry to embarrass you, but... You know, in your in your family, kind of like it. You know, your sister, she's kind of like the the rock star, you know, the, the the evangelist and all that kind of stuff. And she's going great guns, and God's going to do great things with her. But I I really felt spirit saying that he's going to do, even though you might not think, you know, you know your your worth much in God's eyes. You know who you are in Christ Jesus. But I guess that the point that God's saying, just say it, Chris, just say it. So the the point is is that the the Holy Spirit wants to say to you is actually you are going to be a real example to your family very soon because God's going to use you. I don't know what it is, and he's not telling me what it is, but he's going to use you in in, in quite a remarkable way, which is counter your personality. So your personality tends to be a bit, okay, I'm, I'm a quiet person, you know, blah, blah, blah. But God wants to use you that is counter your personality. And it's going to be such a shock to people in your family that you are going to be so, in some some senses, quite demonstrative with your faith and being exceptionally brave and bold with your faith that it will actually be a shock and a sign and a wonder 
as well to your family and that your family because in the past you've you've kind of held your family up but you will in in the future as well but in a whole new way in the sense of you're not holding them up but you're leading them because of the example that God's going to do through you okay so yeah that's it really so God's going to do wonderful things through you hallelujah God is a good God now listen right if we can put our trust in God if we can learn to let go of our fears because you know what fear does to you? It binds you, locks you up. And I remember someone saying 99% of your fears never actually happen. So we waste all of that mental effort and all of our energy in our life being paranoid or being in fear or whatever it is that you struggle with. And actually most of the time it never even happens anyway. You know, and then one of the greatest fears is the fear of death, right? Well, what's the deal? I mean, you die, you go to glory. Yeah, but, what, but never mind what about. You're gone, you're done. All right? What about, about everyone behind? It's like, well, God will sort them out. At the end of the day, certain things are just not your problem. If you trust in God, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not un, unto your own understanding because you serve a God that can and he's able and will. Hallelujah. Now it says here, if you are like Mount Zion, you cannot be shaken, but you will stand forever. Because in the times we're coming into now, God doesn't want his people to be shaken. God doesn't want his church to be shaken. But unfortunately, we are going to see a lot of the church shaken. But, but the, so like that may seem counterproductive. The church will be shaken, but not that God wants it to be shaken. Because actually the choice of whether you get shaken or not like a rag doll is actually up to us. We can decide whether we want to be shaken or not. We can decide by saying, Lord... I, I don't want to be shaken like the world's going to be shaken. Lord, I want to do business with you. Lord, I want to deal with these fears in my life. Because you see, fear is inverted faith. Fear is perverted faith. Fear is antichrist faith. Because fear is the belief that something is greater than God is able. Basically. And God doesn't want you to be fretful or fearful. No, God deals with fear. In, in, you know, he's always rebuking people for fear. I mean, you know, the disciples, they're in the boat, the storm's crashing, everything's going terribly. And, uh, and then lo and behold, you know, Jesus is just fast asleep in the back of the boat. So what's the deal? You know, so they wake him up. Well, what's the first thing Jesus does? He rebukes them. A, for what? Probably not I don't know about waking him up. Like, what are you doing waking me up? He rebukes them for their lack of faith. And then he deals with the storm. And what did he do to the storm? He took the inner reality that was in him because in him he is the God of peace. And he took that inner reality and then manifested it externally. That's how he could sleep in the back of a boat. But if we don't have that peace inside of us, when those storms come, man, we are going to be shaken all over the place. You see, I love that old English word, constancy. And patience and constancy are quite closely linked together. Now, I don't know about you, but constancy and patience is about being consistent under pressure. Now, what beautiful precious stones, which is every woman's friend, gets made by, pre by, by pressure? Diamonds. See, look, it's always the women that go first. Diamonds. Okay, right, so they're the first on it. Like men, like, I don't know, what is it? Right, diamonds. Diamonds are made, the beautiful things that are made because they are, it's, it's carbon put under pressure, if I, if I remember from my science lessons. And you see, God wants us to go under pressure. 
Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials and tribulations of many kind, that your faith may be made perfect. But Jesus, we don't believe in that. We believe, Lord, that you just give us the victory. We just pass through everything. We just want to be on top of the mountains. Well, on top of the mountains, nothing grows. On top of the mountains, you don't get beautiful trees and all that kind of stuff. On the top of the mountain, you get craggy rocks and a few birds. It's in the valleys where the, where the, where the fruitfulness is. It's in the valleys, in the dark places, in the low places where we're most fruitful. So you might think, where are you going with this? In other words, rejoice. When the pressure is on, rejoice when life's getting tough because this is an opportunity for you and me that when we're under the pressure and the pressure cooker's getting hotter and steamier and the pressure's getting unbearable, what are you going to do? Go start kicking the dog and swearing at Jesus? Or are you going to like, no, my God is faithful. He is just. He is true. He will see me through this. Psalm 91 says your faithfulness is a shield and a bulwark. What does that mean? It means it's someone that is so uh, gone through stuff with God and knows that God will always come through him, through for him, that his faithfulness then becomes a shield and a bulwark. In other words, you're now in the pressure cooker again, things are coming at you again, but this time, instead of exploding like a funny sponge pudding inside a pressure cooker, this time, you're like, no, God has always come through for me in the past. Therefore, he is my shield and my bulwark. And therefore, this thing will not harm me. And then you're starting to trust in the Lord. And those that put their trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but stands fast forever. Hallelujah. Now we move into verse 2. As the mountains surround Jerusalem... So the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. Has anyone ever been to Jerusalem? Oh yeah, of course, pro-Zionistic church. Everyone's like, yeah, I've been. Okay, so a lot of people. But if you've been in Jerusalem, or you haven't been in Jerusalem, it's, it's 3,000 feet above sea level thereabouts. And as you look around, a 360 all the way around, you just see all of these mountains all the way around. Which is great if you live there, because militarily in the old days, it was very difficult to get to, because you had to go up mountains, go down mountains, go up mountains, go down mountains, so before you even got to Jerusalem, by which time everyone saw you were coming. Okay? So militarily, it was a great place, but it was this beautiful picture. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forever. God is surrounding his people. But you see... It has to come down to trust. This morning God gave me this picture that sometimes, what about if you're a Christian and you are completely paralysed by fear? What do you do when you get like that? Well, the picture the Holy Spirit gave me was, well, there were those people that brought the paralytic before Jesus. They ripped off the roof and lowered him down. And sometimes Christians are so paralysed by fear that it's the church's responsibility to uphold them and bring them before Jesus in prayer. And yes, Brian. Cry out for Jesus. Say again. You cry out for Jesus. Yes, you can cry out for Jesus. Yeah. Okay, that, that reminds me of a particular time. So there was many years ago. I, I was uh, I was going to Guernsey, and I was I don't know how old I was about 18, 19 at the time, and uh, and I and I remember I was really excited to go to Guernsey. I was going to see my friends, and the plane was cancelled because of fog, right? Which is an everyday thing. So and I, I was like, Jesus, I don't know where to go. I need someone to put me up for the night. And I don't know how it happened, but this Christian came up to me and said, Hey, you looking for somewhere to stay the night? I'm like, yeah. So he said, You come stay at my house. So I went and stayed at his house at about three o'clock in the morning. 
I remember this blackness being on the ceiling, but it was more than black, it was blacker than black. And then suddenly it was starting to come down towards me and I realized it was a demon. And at that time, I mean, I was just terrified. But interestingly, the more fearful I became, the more powerful it became. And so this inverted faith was empowering it to become greater and greater and stronger and stronger. And I, I wanted to say, in the name of Jesus, get ye out of here. But I, I was just petrified, completely terrified. And all that came out of my mouth was the word Jesus. And in an instant, in the inkling of an eye, Jesus appeared, the demon left, and Jesus went. All in the inkling of an eye. So yes, thank you for that, Brian. If you do get paralysed completely with fear like that, sometimes it says, he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So like, Jesus! But if you're completely incapacitated with fear, then it's the church's responsibility to bring those people before Jesus as well. A bit like the paralytic that was, that was lowed, lowered down. False expectations appearing real. Say that again. Yes, exactly, yeah. It, fear is 90% is, is perception of things that aren't even true. Um, it's, it really is, it, it just isn't worth it. And God wants his people, you see, there is coming shaking in these days in which we're in. But everything must pivot around us trusting God. I, I always say it and I keep saying it's such a great verse, John 17, 3, eternal life is knowing God and we must know him which means that we must take the time to cultivate that relationship with him. It means we need to take time, more time in our prayer rooms, in prayer and in meditation and basking in his presence and loving on him and, and truly loving him. I mean, the Holy Spirit, um, we've gone from a working relationship to a romantic relationship. And that's what God wants for all of his people, that we have that love walk with God, that that tenderness of the spirit can meet with you and share with you wonderful, wonderful, beautiful treasures and can give you an experience of God that no Bible college will give you, nothing else, no great preacher, no anointed person could ever get you. It can only come through the place of intimacy with Christ. And it is the most beautiful place. It is, uh, Psalm 91, uh, abiding under the shadow of Shaddai. It's that secret place. And everyone is invited to come to that secret place. God wants you to come to that secret place. God wants you to abide in that secret place. And he wants to talk to you. And he wants you to talk back to him with the language of love. Do you know Jesus responds so well to the language of love? You know, you call him, you say, oh Jesus, my beloved, my lover, I love you so much. You are everything to me. You just speak love to Jesus, love on him. As opposed to, dear Lord Jesus, I beseech thee, thy humble servant doth obedience before thee, obeisance before thee, my Lord and King. It's like, no. There's a place for that, but also God wants his people to love him. Love him. Love him. Love him. He is my beloved and I am his. And the spirit and the bride say, come. 
The Spirit is wanting to woo you and he wants to be wooed by you. Jesus, he loves us so much, it breaks his heart sometimes that we don't love him the way that he loves us, even though that in some respects that's not so possible. And there's this wonderful mystery that we can love Christ by loving our brothers and sisters as well, as he loved us, as he loves us. You know, I love that old Keith Green song about the sheep and the parable, the sheep and the goats. Has everyone ever heard that song? Well, it's in Matthew 25. And, and Jesus says, you know, I was in prison. I was naked. I was poor. I was hungry. You visited me in prison. You clothed me. You helped me. And these people are like, well, Lord, we never saw you in prison. And he says, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. And that heart of the love of God yearns within us so that we would love others. I like, um, was it Mother Teresa? She would say, whenever she ministered to the sick, to her, it was as though she were ministering to Christ himself. Because she took that parable seriously where if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And so she ministered and took care for them. Because she knew the love of God. And the church, we're so purpose-driven. We're so, what's my calling? What's my ministry? And we miss the greatest calling and the greatest ministry that has been handed to every one of us on a plate. And that is knowing Jesus and loving on him and being loved by him and experiencing that love. Because let me tell you something, perfect love casts out fear. And if there is no fear, you will trust God more and more and more and more. In the days ahead, we need to be a people of faith. But it's not just get those old faith teaching tapes on and try and work yourself up into a faith frenzy. This is about coming to the place of stillness and listening to the still, quiet, small voice and learning to be with your beloved and learning to have a love relationship with Christ in that prayer room and then from the prayer room out into your everyday life. Because if we don't have that kind of love, you may be able to prophesy mysteries. You may even have faith that can move mountains. But if you don't have that kind of love, you are nothing but a sounding gong. Meaningless. Pointless. And in these days, God is calling his church back to the heartbeat. Agape love. Which is the love of God. You can't give that which you don't understand. You can't give that which you haven't received. Freely you've received, now freely give. And God wants his church in this day to love him and be loved by him and come to the place of intimacy. Because in the place of intimacy, we can put our trust in the Lord. We can be like Mount Zion. We will not be shaken. And as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so God will surround us, his people, both now and forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just give us a minute. Can we just all bow our heads a minute? Just uh, shut your eyes.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, oh, Holy Spirit, Lord, thank you, Jesus, Father. Oh, Lord. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray you move amongst your people now, Lord. I pray you move amongst us, Lord. And Lord, I pray you do a work on our hearts, Lord. That you soften our hearts and take away those fears from us. Oh, Lord. Love on us, we pray. Teach us to love you, Lord. Teach us to love you. As was said earlier, the Spirit of God is hovering and brooding over the waters of your hearts right now. And the Spirit would say to you, don't come to church to get this experience. You can get this experience every day by yourself, with me. You don't have to come to a big meeting to experience the presence of God. You can have the presence of God with you everywhere you go. But imagine what it would be like if everyone in this room carried that intimacy and then came together corporately. What that would do for this nation. What that would do in people's lives. It would literally wreck the kingdom of Satan. It would literally blast it apart step by step. Lord God, I pray in our weakness, help us, Lord, and make us more hungry and more yearning and more desirous to know you more and more and more. And let everything else in our life, Lord, that really doesn't matter, fade away so that you become the center of everything, Lord God, so we can become a people that seek first you and the kingdom of God above all other things. In Jesus' name, and the saints said, Amen. Amen.